You're about to listen to a podcast with Whitney Miller, who's been my romantic partner for over eight years. And through this wild journey, which you're going to hear about, which has included a period of monogamy, a period of polyamory, and then our ultimate breakup and reconnection under what we were calling the no relationship structure, which still involves certain levels of intimacy and a deep commitment to our friendship. But a through line through this entire process is that we have a sexual connection. And if I'm going to be talking about our sexual connection, I should also be talking to you guys about Juve. Now, Juve is an infrared product that's really best in class. And one of the reasons why I'm talking about this for sexual function is that sexual function for a man in particular is related to blood flow. Blood flow is related to nitric oxide production. And infrared light has been shown to help improve nitric oxide function. So this is something that anybody can use to improve their sexual proficiency, particularly if you're a man. Now, there's a lot of other benefits. It's beneficial for healing. It's beneficial for sleep. It's beneficial for any kind of aches you might feel in your joints. There's a lot of reasons to get Juve infrared lights, and they have a whole bunch of different models. They have the full-body devices. They have the desktop devices. They even have handheld devices. And you just spend like 10 to 15 minutes in front of these things, ideally naked. And in my experience, and I can speak for certain, from my own experience, it makes a significant difference. So I encourage you guys, if you're in a relationship, if you're dating, whatever, particularly if you're a man, definitely check out the Juve line of products. So go to juve.com, that's J-O-O-V-V.com slash Aubrey. And if you use the code Aubrey, you'll get a free gift with purchase. And I'll be super grateful because that's what helps support this podcast. Thanks so much. Whitney Miller and I have been in a relationship for eight years, and we've been very public with our exploration of both open relationship and eventually into polyamory. And there's distinctions between both of those. Some have more gravity than others, and we've really tried it all, and we've made a lot of mistakes, and we've figured a lot of things out. And we've wound up in a place from a perspective where we can really look back and start to analyze some of the big mistakes we made and some of the lessons that we learned. It's almost like we're in a position now where even though we're not together, we're able to see how much we've learned, how much we've grown, how much we've enjoyed the process, and then be able to chart our course from here. So whether you're in a monogamous relationship, whether you're single, or whether you're wanting to explore some type of open relationship or some type of polyamory, I think you're going to get a lot out of this podcast. So I hope you guys enjoy it, and I look forward to your feedback. Whitney. Hey, Ob. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've often said, and I think you've said the same thing, that there's probably been no greater teacher in my life than going on this relationship journey with you. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is, is that through us transitioning our relationship, there's been also a lot of learning that's continued. You know, people think of that as like, okay, that's the end. And then on to the new thing and on to the new relationship where you're learning new things from a new different person. But we certainly haven't found that exactly to be true. No, of course not. (laughs) We keep learning, but in the best way. And I think I also just want to touch on that because everyone's like, not everyone, let me not say that. But there are a lot of people are thinking like, why are you calling it a transition? 
And thank God we did call it a transition because it's not an end. And if you're ending your relationship, even if you're married or you have kids or you're just, you know, it's time you hit the expiration date of your relationship, it is a transition because you're going from one relationship with that person into a different relationship with that person. I just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> yeah, I think I think people have a, a misunderstanding of finality in, yeah. in a lot of different ways. And look, we have it with death in general, yeah. right? Like people think of a death as the end, right? And that's something that I've talked about with Don Howard, who is very close to both of us who recently transitioned from life. And like, why are you calling it transition from life? Well, from our own spiritual understanding and from what we've experienced, we understand that Don Howard isn't gone. It's just his body that's gone. Yeah, and you just miss his body. You just miss his of like course. physical presence. Obviously, I always have that's like my biggest fear, right? We talk about this all the time. Is not I don't have a fear of me dying. Like I know that I just I go on and that I'm just this is my temporary meat sack for a while, which is awesome and I love it. So thanks, you know. <laughs> but um, we got a good one. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um but as other people transi- transitioning and other people passing and dying is like, oh, mm. even though I know what goes on, it's just, I'm, I think I'm just selfish and I'm like, don't leave me. I right. want you to be around me and hang out with me and hug me and stuff. Right. Yeah. That the physical presence and the, you know, that experience is something that's unique, but it's not the end. And I think in the transition of a relationship, there's certain things that will end, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm not going to be able to give Don Howard a hug again, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that in the right headspace, I can't communicate, remember, or like receive the wisdom that he's brought from his life or perhaps depending on your own belief system from beyond. But I'm using that as a metaphor because people think of that in the relationship. They think of it in terms of finality, like this is over. And I think that's the, that's the story that we've been told, right? Totally. Which is... All right, what's, you know, you tell the story. Tell the story for the world. What's supposed to happen according to societal conditioning when you break up? You break up and usually you're not happy with each other. So usually it's it's not amicable. Um, and you don't, definitely don't want to run into each other out. That's absolutely terrible. Um, you can't be friends. You can't love each other. You can't hang out. Sometimes you, you should probably just think that they fell off the face of the earth. That's just better. And they never, you never ever had love with them. Block them on your social media. Block them on your social media. They never existed. Like you put them into a mm-hmm. box and then you blew it up into little <laughs> baby pieces. Take all the photos down. Obscure no them photos. from anything that reminds you of them. You know, erase it from your house. Burn. <laughs> like you're Get going into a full total recall experience. It's like the apocalypse. <laughs> but that's not real life. No. Nor should it be real life. And it can't be. I mean, it's, it's it's literally, it cannot happen, particularly with modern relationships today and the world that we live in today. I mean, we are inundated with, you know, other people's lives and not even people, even people that we don't know. So imagine the people that we're in relationships with and then we end the relationship. And if we can no longer think or see or, you know, be in contact with that person, it's going to be impossible and it's going to be extremely painful because social media is going to show you where they're at and what they're eating and drinking and who they're with at any point at any day. Yeah. And I think we inherently kind of 
we've looked at things unconventionally. So we didn't abide and we never abided by the traditional rules of relationship when we were in relationship, nor were we planning on abiding by them in the transition of our relationship either. But we had our period, you know, we had our period where we had to take a couple weeks. We got a little, we got a little angry. We got a little, had needed our separation. We needed to, to take our space for a moment. Yeah, and I, I think that's an important, like I feel like if you are going through a breakup, it's okay to take that time. And it's scary to take that time, but it feels, it's almost necessary. And so for us, it was, you know, and we're still figuring it out. But for at that moment, it was, we needed time. We, we couldn't really communicate. We couldn't communicate. We weren't getting anywhere with our communication. We were just speaking to each other from a place of pain and resentment and fear and what does this mean and what does the future hold? And so we weren't getting anywhere. And so I think for us, we had to kind of, take a breather and heal a little bit and understand what was going on and let the fear kind of subside and and be okay with the unknown that was in front of us. Um, And that was the only way that I think we were able to get to where we are today. Yeah. And it, it was interesting how it happened. The first bridge between us was actually when because we had a lot of resentment that was built up. You know, we we tried this open relationship thing. We did our best. But you know, there was a lot of stuff that got built up from our own ignorance, from our own lack of skill, from our own lack of experience, just kind of going through the process. And so a lot of that was being carried forward. And we had a lot of armor up and a lot of like, almost like, uh, like we were wrapped in like little barbs or fire or something like that. And it was like you said, it was very difficult for us to communicate. The first bridge was actually when you got like a very strange case of food poisoning. Oh my god! Yeah, that was terrible. We were so we were in the, like the worst place we could possibly be in. I was just about to record my podcast in LA, and I know some people who are listening to this know that I was literally I was throwing up in during the podcast. We'd have to stop, and I would come back in and and finish the podcast. And then in between the shows, I would keep throwing up. But here is the thing with that. And I know this might sound woo-woo to some of y'all, but I really don't know if it was actual food poisoning. I remember we had lunch and it was not a good lunch. I mean, it was tasty, but it was not a good lunch emotionally. Yeah, we were communicating really poorly. I mean, poorly. It was terrible. And I just wanted to get the fuck out of there. And a few hours later, I started to feel really nauseous and sick and... um, thought it was food poisoning. But the first time that I threw up, it reminded me exactly of how I throw up on Aya. Like when you do ayahuasca, at least for me, my throw up, I don't, people probably don't want to hear about my throw up. I bet they do. But it's, but it's thick and it's disgusting. And it's almost like rope coming out of like the depths of my body, which is whereas I feel when I have um, food poisoning, it's not that way. Like your body's just purging whatever's in there. And yeah. I was, I had water. I had things in my body to throw up, but this was completely different. And so I, that's when I realized, hmm, I feel like this might be metaphysical. I feel like this is the universe being like, no, 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 no. Like you are really good at distracting yourself and you're really good at being positive and not really looking at that. And you, you have your podcast going on. And there's so much that you can do to not, you know, bring down and break down your barriers um, so we're going to force you. We're going to binge you right now. 
and you're going to go through this breakup and you're going to do your podcast and you're going to be sick as shit throughout the entire thing. And it just broke me to where I was just like bawling, crying. And I just didn't know I couldn't handle it anymore. Like it makes me emotional thinking about it right now, but I couldn't handle it. And I, I was just like, I, I don't, I don't know what to do. And maybe you called me or something. I either somehow one there was a text exchange and somehow I oh, you know what it was was during that time I made a social media post and oh, yeah. I was really vulnerable about that it was just like look everyone thinks that I'm out here fucking living it up in LA and doing my podcast and doing all these things which I really love doing but this is probably the most challenged I've ever felt and like just broken I just felt like completely broken like mentally physically emotionally I had nothing that I could grab onto um and I made a post about that like a little quick story just letting people know that you know we're all in this together and that if you're going through something hard like I'm there with you we can get through it um and I think you saw that and then you called me and was asked if um you want I wanted you to come over yeah or if there's anything I could do and then I was like well you know would you, would it be okay if I came over somehow somehow we did that and you're like yeah and it was the the first kind of soft exchange that we'd had since, yeah. you know, separating. And then we just came over and we didn't particularly talk about anything. We no. just kind of laid in bed as you were sick and like held each other. And I remember that just deep feeling of of like, wow, we still really love each other. And, and no matter what, if you're sick, like I'm going to show up and I'm going to be there. And and you recognizing like, wow, if if I'm hurting, like it's okay for me to receive Ob's love at this point, mm-hmm. you know? And like, that was the truth of, of what it was. And that was like a big kind of turning point for us in the, in the breakup process for sure, because we had just that moment of connection that, you know, really probably would have taken much, much longer if it hadn't, you know, if the actual physical wellness, which gives you that energy and that strength to be tough and strong and distract and have wine or do whatever the thing it was. If, if that didn't melt away from your condition, then you wouldn't have had the opening and then I wouldn't have softened into my opening and then we wouldn't have had that moment. And it wasn't even that long. It was just 20, 30 minutes. You know, I had to go somewhere. I forget where I was going, but I had to go somewhere and, and leave. But that was like the first kind of post-breakup moment of intimacy, you mm-hmm. could call it, even though it wasn't sexual at all. Um, and then that was, that was something that was like a a nice, interesting moment. Um, that's, uh, that's just like one lesson of like, okay, we're always still here for each other. It's something we always used to say, but in the way that we were communicating at the time, that was not what was going on, No, you know, but that was like that first moment of that. Um, and then I think a couple more weeks passed and, you know, we kind of, after that, we were speaking a little bit better to each other and communicating a little better but the next significant moment was when we were both invited to a mutual friends celebration that was here at the house and part of their intention for the celebration was to do a small dose of psilocybin of mushrooms mm-hmm. so we both did that <laughs> not really kind of like all right we'll do this this is for our friend it's a mutual friend you know and the intention was to celebrate that friend but instead, I also like didn't want to come. I didn't want to go to the birthday party. I was like, what, what am I going to do? I'm going to go fucking hang out and 
chill with Ob and pretend like everything's cool and okay. Like we were cool and okay, but at the same time I was still hurting and healing and I didn't think I just wanted to be in a party situation. <laughs> I knew it was like a different type of party, but I definitely had some resistance to coming. But then I, I showed up and we took the mushrooms and which, um, by the way, a lot stronger than I was anticipating. <laughs> yeah, it was the it was the penis envy strain, which has a multiplier effect on yeah. on what what happens. But, but I mean, it was perfect. I mean, it was it's it's it was served up exactly how I needed it. Again, it's of like course. there was a little guidance and a little help that we were getting because what ended up happening there was three hours of us just holding each other and sobbing. Yeah, like me and you were just holding each other, curled up and crying. And you know, I'm sure our friend who wanted us to celebrate her birthday or whatever was like, you know, okay, well, thanks. Thanks for really <laughs> thanks participating for, in my birthday. Yeah. Thanks for joining this. Because we went around and we were going to say something about how, you know, we appreciate them in our lives. And it just came to me and I was just like, I'm kind of high right now. <laughs> and um, I, I hope you know that I love you and I will celebrate you the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah. And then Happy right birthday. back nestled. And then into- I just went back and cuddled <laughs> with you. <laughs> right back into nestling right into me. And, and it's that- like that's the truth, right? I can't try to put on like a happy face, particularly no. if you're on mushrooms and you're going through this whole thing. Like, let's just be authentic here. Happy birthday. I love you. I will take you out to dinner tomorrow <laughs> and we can have a real girl time. But right now I can't, this is all yeah. I got. Yeah, and as that process went, it was just um, there was a lot of tears, but they were they were beautiful tears in a lot of ways. They're like know? cleansing tears. Cleansing, they're necessary. The, yeah, tears that we probably obviously needed to cry that we yeah. didn't allow ourselves to do, and it was once again like breaking down a lot of those barriers and fears and insecurities, and just that softness um, came through with the tears. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So then then we go through that process again, like three hours of this kind of tearful and, and a really an understanding of a, of, of a deeper layer of love. Because people might not know, like one of the things that actually triggered our breakup was when it was actually on your 30th birthday when we were concluding a big extravagant trip out to Cabo for your 30th birthday. And, you know, again, um, you know, we were on our own versions of different types of more party-related medicines. And uh, and at that point, we were, you expressed something to me where you said, I said, I love you. And you said, that's debatable. And that right there, we're actually, we were actually having sex when that happened. That right there was like a devastating and eye-opening moment. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, at that point, and I think when we finished, I was like, whoa, like that was really, that was really fucking heavy. And you're like, uh-huh. I was like, fuck. It's like, well, you're not right, but you're not wrong either. Cause there are certain ways that there are certain ways that I wasn't showing up with actual true love with you, but there are certain ways that I was. So it wasn't like a wrong, it wasn't the wrong statement, but it wasn't the right statement either. But it was a reflection of something that you felt that was neither right nor wrong. And then you said something very insightful. You goes, well, I know you love me, but you won't. And I was like, damn, (laughs) damn, fucking dropping double hammers. And I was like, fuck, you know, like that was like really, 
really deep and it it was it was too deep for me to like reconcile at that point but you know so next morning we kind of start to talk about it we try to kind of like reconcile some of this and try to patch it up together but at that point it was kind of this understanding that wow we've through this process of open and through everything and the the doing our best and the steps we've taken and 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 done we reached a place where we didn't trust each other's love I didn't trust myself to give it. You didn't trust yourself to receive it. So it was, re- it was really like an impassable boundary, a border at this point where I had in my knowing a deep understanding like we cannot move forward in the container that we're in anymore to get past this. Like we've tried our best. You know, we like really have tried our best. And so <clears throat> at that point, it was very clear like we must transition i didn't know what was on the other side of that but i was like this is an impassable boundary Mm -hmm. is what it really my just like a deep understanding i had um that came and uh and anyway so that was that was really kind of what precipitated this was our inability to you know give or receive love from each other because we were blocked by so many different ways um and then in that you know, fast, fast forward to that mushroom ceremony where we're holding each other crying. That was where we got to really feel like, oh shit, we actually really do love each other. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's actually really true. But at that point we still had no ideas about what that meant moving forward at all. We just, it was just kind of like the first indication. And we had a little bit of that when you had the, the metaphysical food poisoning thing. Well, I don't even think we were thinking about moving for. I wasn't. Like no. there was no thought of what was going to happen the next day. It was just we kind of got to a place of like, well, clearly we do love each other and we're here now. And so maybe we should just enjoy the rest of the night and act exactly how we want to act without putting pressure on each other or the situation to figure everything out. As you can probably tell from this podcast, life is a constant process of optimization. Whitney and I have been trying to optimize and evolve our relationship with changing times, changing situations, changing emotions, but the baseline of all levels of optimization occur in the body. So when people ask me, like, why on it? Why do you care so much about on it? Why was that the company where you put your blood and your sweat and your focus and all of your love into this it's because that's the foundation that everything else is built on when the body isn't right it's very difficult to get your mind right your emotions right or any kind of spiritual practice right so when you're tired there is a great shaman hamilton maestro souther who i've done a podcast with one of the things he loved to say is energy levels matter so when you're trying to deal with something like some of the challenges that we've been mentioning in this podcast If the body isn't right, everything is going to seem so much harder. That boulder that you're trying to push or that thing you're trying to release is going to be twice as heavy and twice as hard. And on it just has the tools to help put you in the optimal state. And that's why I love it so much. That's why I use Onnit products virtually every single day and also the information that Onnit provides every single day. I'm absolutely a part of creating that not only for all of you, but because I need it myself. And I think now being the new year, this is a great opportunity to really level yourself up, to be a little bit better tomorrow than you are today and to be prepared for the storms that are inevitably going to come in your life because they come for all of us. Those are our opportunities to grow, evolve, 
adapt under stressful, challenging conditions. And Onnit's going to help give you the tools to do that as effectively as possible. So please, if you haven't already, go to onnit.com slash Aubrey, poke around, explore, find your best products. And if you really want to make it simple, check out the Total Human. Those are day and night packs that make it really simple. But we have a ton of cool shit. Maybe try exogenous ketones with our Total Keto product or just try something that's a little bit different and see how much it might be able to improve your life. So go to onnit.com slash Aubrey. You'll save 10%. And of course, thank you so much for supporting the podcast in this way. What do you think? Now, let's just, before we move forward, because I have a funny story to tell about what happened quickly after that, um, that cuddle on the cuddle on the couch. But what do you think, what do you think we're, you know, for people who are interested in open and people who are interested in in the story of how we got to that you know kind of impassable place where the relationship had to actually release what do you think are some of the things that that kind of led up to that when you look back and you kind of reflect back and and i'll do the same what do you think were some of the things that kind of led to that place where where my love was debatable to you and 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 all the and all the things that i described um you know, I think it, it comes down to just past resentments and traumas and fears and insecurities that were not healed. Um, and, and open can be extremely challenging. It's harder than people really can even fathom unless you've done it. And we were going through the process of figuring it out on our own and we didn't have a roadmap to doing to do that and so we we kind of hit the gas pedal a little bit too hard every once in a while and fucked up constantly and we also did things right and learned and figured it out and tried to heal as much as we possibly could but I felt I feel like through that process when we hit the gas pedal too hard it did cause trauma and at the time we didn't really know how to heal it as best as we could. So it would bring resentments up that we also didn't quite know how to heal. And so it was, I think it's just like with any relationship, regardless if it's open or not, there are those resentments and traumas there. And if you don't really look at them and really look at them to heal, they're going to remain. And that is, that will cause a block between you and your partner, just like it caused a block between you and I. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, times that I felt like, you w- would love me and then the next day you wouldn't love me. So clearly that's debatable if you love me. When really underlying it all was that we loved each other the entire time, but we would constantly find ways to prove our biggest fear right. Mm. Aha, I'm always going to look for something that's going to prove this right. Yes, mm. that's my biggest fear. And you said this to me, which means my fear is right. Instead of, okay, how can I learn from this? And how can I heal from this? And what are you actually saying to me? Like what's underneath the pain that you're showing me? And yeah. how can I show up for you in that way? Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's a whole journey. And regardless of what relationship you're in, I feel like this is a great conversation for anyone to have. Yeah. I mean, I think some of what you're talking about is that kind of proof of love trial that we put each other on, you know, like these things I, I, I bring forward exhibit A, B, and C in this proof of love trial where you're on trial, then I'm trying to prove that you don't love me in this way. And, and we would both play these kind of games. I probably more was more the, the prosecutor on that trial of proof of love probably than you, but, and that was my own, that was my own kind of delusional protection mechanism of trying to figure it out. And then I also had the pattern of you know, withdrawing. And then you had a pattern of, 
you know, not looking when I was there to love you too, because then if you actually looked at the love that you had, then if this, you know, ostensibly fickle love, which was what observationally it felt like, if this ostensibly fickle love was going to go away and you acknowledged it, well, it would hurt way worse. Mm -hmm. And same for me, if like, if I acknowledged the love and then I saw you looking away from the love that you had for me, that felt like a withdrawal of love and then my love would hurt. So we were both like kind of like stepping in, like one foot in, one foot out, one foot in, one foot out. Neither one of us really willing to commit because of how how we had interacted and all of the the trauma of this, you know, feeling of love is there, love is gone, love is there, love is gone. And that just created this pattern that needed to needed to kind of unwind. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So then let's let's move on with the story. So, so we finished that, and you know we had a lovely little cuddle in the thing, and then that that part of the the day's ceremony is over, and it, it's the intention for that day was to then have like a normal little pool party. You know, still sunlight outside. So we both go into the closet to go change into our bathing suits. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) So we go to change into our bathing suits. And, you know, we've obviously, shit, it's been almost eight years, you know, that we've been intimate with each other. You take off your clothes to put on your bathing suit and I see you naked. And I felt this shot of electricity and butterflies and nerves go all the way up from my like. It's called revenge, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you did it on purpose. How rude. (laughs) But anyways, the result of whether you did it on purpose or not. I don't think I did it on purpose. No, I don't think you did it. I don't think you did. But but anyways, (laughs) I see you. I I see you. And it's like, oh, fuck. Like, I am so attracted to you. And what the fuck am I going to do with this? Like I saw it and I was like, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. Like this is not good. Because it was the hair flip. Because <laughs> it was so strong. It was like it just shot up straight from my fucking taint through the like into my stomach, through my heart, through the top of my head. And I was like, damn. So I just like bounced outside because I, I was like, I got I to gotta, I gotta do something with this feeling. Because I still didn't have the idea that we might be intimate again. I thought like we're done. You know, this is how relationships go. And, you know, we got to like leave that. Close the door. Close the door on any sexuality that's expressed between us. So I go outside and obviously the the mushrooms are still working. And I'm like, okay, what do you do with these feelings that you can't get rid of? Okay, you purge them out. (laughs) So I like, so I hunch over and I start like trying to purge and I'm purging out in the rocks and I'm trying to purge out this feeling of lust and desire and desire for you and i'm and i'm like i haven't eaten anything so i'm like hawking up like whatever spit and whatever bile i can get from the the core of my being and then i just hear this voice in my head it's just like like this paternal grandfatherly voice like go ahead son keep purging go for it give it all you got there you go it's not gonna do shit it's not going to do anything. You can't purge this out. <laughs> and it was like, and I could hear that voice just laughing. And the voice was like, <laughs> look at you go trying to purge it out. Good luck with that. That's going to be fucking, that's going to be, you know, that's going to be an interesting experiment. And obviously I started laughing at that point too. And I think you actually walked out then and you're like, what are you doing? You're puking and laughing. Yeah, it was, and I was bizarre. Like, Let me tell you what just happened. Like uh, I just tried to puke out this thing and it, and then, the voice was laughing and saying, like, give it your best, but it's not going to work. 
And uh, so anyways, we had a few laughs about that. And then we just kind of started hanging. And then I think we, we talked to each other and we're like, well, what do we want to do the rest of the day? We're like, I don't know. Let's just have fun. Yeah. You know, let's just have fun. See what happens. Right. Yeah. What I was saying is just like, we're not going to look past this day or past this moment. Let's just have fun and not like talk about anything from the past, not talk about anything potentially in the future. It's just like in this moment, you and I, how do we want to spend our day? Yep. And we ended up spending it having a lot of fun. Yeah, we did. We had a great time. Yeah, we just laughed and danced and hung out. And that was the first night we had sex again. You and your memory. I was already thinking like, wow, I'm really surprised you remember all of this because I don't, but... Man, how disappointing. I remember most of it. I thought it was it. epic. It was epic. I thought I absolutely- crushed it in there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. It was epic. <laughs> I'm sure of it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that was the first night that we did it. And we did it under the auspices. Like, look, like this, do- like we don't know what this means. We don't know anything. Like, But we're feeling it. Like, we're obviously still attracted to each other. It's not just a one-way street. You know, <laughs> let's fucking go for it. And we did. And then we woke up that next, that next day. And we're like, shit, that was fun. But I, I don't think we still started talking about particularly anything we didn't have a plan this was not like it's like well yesterday happened right you know no. and um and then from there we just kind of started to move forward and start to like unpack and start like opening the dialogue like a little bit more and a little bit more about like okay now, well what are we doing now mm-hmm. what is this what is this place that we find ourselves in and then what are the things that we starting to to realize about ourselves you know like what and that's something that's a process that's continuing to unfold absolutely you know up until this very morning right like everything is continuing to unfold from that moment to like all right what is this new construct that we're in and that's very interesting and so what we ended up calling it is we ended up calling it the no relationship relationship (laughs) Right, because there yeah. was no there was no agreements. Like, remember when we started, we had like all these agreements. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, but th- that's like how it usually goes. Is like you get into a relationship like this, and then you put on every agreement that you could possibly think of, thinking that it's going to actually help you control the situation. But really, it just disappoints you in the end because you're constantly dis- disappointing each other. Mm. <laughs> yep, you're always you're setting up all these expectations. You're setting up like kind of these little traps, to be honest. Traps and expect every expectation is a trap. Yes, every single thing that you do is is a trap because it's a trap because if it's an expectation, you have the fear of that expectation not being met, right? Because if you expect something, then you're invested and attached to that thing actually happening. So you're approaching it with fear. If it is met, you don't even have joy or gratitude because it's been expected. So it's like a lose-lose. It's lose on the front side and it's lose on the back side. You know? And that's, that's the interesting thing about these expectations and these different things that you have is that it really doesn't help. It doesn't give you more security. It doesn't give you more pleasure. It doesn't give you more comfort. It just kind of it can maybe kind of temporarily give you comfort. But then as soon as that expectation isn't met for whatever reason, either perceptually not met or actually not met, then devastation. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, I do want to say, though, that having boundaries and agreements in relationships, I think, 
you know, is necessary for a lot of people. And you can come up with those boundaries and agreements, um, but be fluid with them. Mm. So when you're coaching, when you're coaching somebody and they're like entering the process, because, you know, we're now in a place where we're actually seeing a lot of the benefits. I mean, I think we've both said, and both people outside of us in our friend group and whatever have reflected that, and this is kind of skipping ahead, but people have reflected that we're in the best place we've ever been. And we've said the same thing, right? You know, that we're Mm -hmm. actually now in the best place we've ever been. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's so great. And I truly believe that because the way that we even, you know, um, communicate with each other and we express gratitude. And and I think it's really because we're in a place to where we trust each other's love. Like we know that we are going to be in each other's lives forever and always until we transition out of this, you know, realm. Um, So that feels good. And we've said that before, but we didn't trust it. And now regardless of what the relationship is, if it's intimate, if it's not intimate, however the the construct is, we'll always be in each other's lives, which is it makes you feel really good and it makes you trust things and it makes you appreciate and not hold resentments and um, be able to communicate and show up for each other in ways that we've never been able to before. And yeah, it did take us breaking everything down and feeling like, holy shit, what's going to happen with my life? Um, and being like completely heartbroken and upset and getting through, going through that whole process. But it was so necessary and so um, important and something that I look back on as, as, as so beneficial to my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. It's funny, you know, we, we went to that Don Miguel Ruiz workshop and I remember he, he was in uh, what appeared, and I don't know his personal life, but what appeared like he was in an open relationship. He, doesn't, he didn't really talk about it, but that was the optics of the situation that he had. It looked like he had multiple people that he was intimate with there. And he was explaining his rules, his agreements. And his agreement was to love generously and receive love graciously with gratitude. Mm-hmm. And we like listened to that. We're like, cool. And then we went into our relationship and we made like a fucking tome of other agreements and rules. But I think that was like a necessary step, right? And I think, Mm -hmm. so what, I guess the question that I'm, the question that I'm asking for you is when you're talking to people and coaching people on entering into an open relationship, like what is your, what is your advice to people as far as the agreements that they're setting? Because I think ultimately like we have gotten to the place where the only rule is to love generously and receive love graciously and that has become our rule you know which don miguel like told us but we didn't listen to him but like (laughs) and we went through the whole agreement process but it and it maybe helped us or maybe didn't help us so what's your advice what's your advice to people well yeah no i think that's like the foundation of it right is like that really is truly what you want is to love graciously and love generously receive love grace that like that's the foundation of really just showing up for each other in love period, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and appreciating it. But the thing is, is there's also pacing and calibration. Like I do believe putting in boundaries and agreements can create freedom within a relationship because you know how to stay in your lane a little bit. You know, if you don't know how, what your partner is comfortable with or not comfortable with at all, you might disappoint them constantly because you're constantly stepping on their toes. Um, and a lot of times you won't figure out what feels right or not without the practice of it. So it's going to be a process, but 
when I'm coaching, it's like, okay, figuring out your optimal situation. What does that look like for both of you guys? And then where's the overlap? And then there's negotiation within that, like negotiate, negotiating what feels right for the be- both of you. And knowing that the more rules, if you put in, okay, you can't talk to somebody after 7 p.m. or you can only see someone on Sundays. Or if you put in these like strict concrete rules like that, it's going to usually lead to disappointment because you're trying to control the other person and control the relationship to make you feel a bit more, a little bit more um, comfort, comfortable. Yeah. Um, whereas I think you can put in agreements that are like, okay, hey, we're just starting out. So right now, this is how I feel um, would make me feel comfortable. So if you could only see someone on the weekends, you know, for the next month or something, mm-hmm. let's try that on and see how that goes. Um, and so realizing that you can put in these agreements, but that that's for right now and knowing that they'll change over time and that the biggest goal is really to show up for each other and love and love each other honestly and graciously and, and support each other within that. That's the foundation that you're looking for and you're working your way towards that. Now, my question to you is, is that actually productive or is that, is that like a, is that actually? Is is setting any of these setting these boundaries and agreements? Is it is it really productive? Because what ultimately? Yes, you think so. I do because I think yeah. I think if you don't and you just go from zero to sixty like that, that causes trauma and that hurts and you don't trust. And if you keep doing that over and over again, you never let anything heal and you never like have any idea how to move through this. It's like you're trying to go play a game, but you have no rules how to play. So how are you even knowing what what you're supposed to do? You're going to score for the other team. It doesn't make any sense. You know, so you do need some guidelines to help Uh you a roadmap to get you to where you're going. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I think that makes sense. And I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate. I'm definitely not disagreeing with you. No, I don't think But I'm just, I'm curious because there's, you know, like it's human nature for some people more than others. And I think you're one of those type of people that when you feel a rule placed on you, it's like, you know, you feel like a little leash being tugged on you and your natural, (laughs) your natural inclination is to shrug it off Mm -hmm. and be like, oh, you're trying to restrict me like this. Hmm. That's cute, you know, and then so you'll you'll actually resist the agreement, resist any any kind of restriction to the agreement. And we have other friends that are that are similar in that way, like someone tries to place an agreement and they're like, oh, that agreement. Mm, What happens if I break it? You know what I mean? Like there's this kind of natural tendency that people have to be like, oh, you want to restrict me this way? Okay, well, I'm not going to do that. How about that? Right. But I I think one of the reasons why I was so like that, and I still am for sure, but I'm definitely more aware of it, um, was the fact that I was agreeing to things because I thought it was what I was supposed to do. Mm. And I didn't really agree to it. So I broke it because breaking it felt better than agreeing to it because I didn't really agree to, agree to it in the first place. Uh-huh. Um, and so when you're making these agreements, if something doesn't feel right, that's why I say you, you have to have negotiation within there and really figuring these things out. Because if something comes up and you just agree to it because you don't want to upset your partner or you don't want to hurt them or it's going to be easier and you don't have to have this fight, watch it because when that agreement comes up or when you feel constricted, you might just break it because you agreed to something you didn't really agree to. 
There's, and, yeah, there's so much wisdom in that actually for both of us because we would do it in different ways. I think in the agreement stage, you would agree to things that you weren't really comfortable because of your desire to please me, which is right. your desire to please is definitely like a natural condition that you have. Like you want to please in the moment, you know, and but if you didn't really fully wholeheartedly have your heart behind it, you weren't going to honor that honor that agreement. I would also in a different way, it wasn't so much with the agreements, but you would ask me like, is this okay? Is it, is it cool if I do this? And I'd be like, yeah, totally cool. And then like three days later, I'd be like, it's not fucking cool. Yeah. I'm fucking dying. You know, and I would like pretend like I was cool with something, but I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And so that built this kind of like, hey, man, you said you were fucking cool with it. And I was like, hey, girl, you said you were going to do this. And like, so we created this this thing where we weren't actually able to do what with our best intentions, like they say the road to hell is paved with good intentions. We had the good intentions of like, I had the intention that I could, I could, you know, whatever you were doing was going to be okay. And you had the intention that you were going to be able to keep this agreement, but we really didn't, if we were honest with ourselves and really like had the introspection and maybe the experience and maybe the wisdom, all the things that we needed, we wouldn't have said yes to some of the things that we said yes to. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I, I'm, you know, I've now gotten the opportunity to unwind that and be able to only agree to things that I truly believe. And that feels really good. That's scary for a lot of people because it, you can be in a relationship with somebody and they have this agreement and you can say, no, I'm not interested in that. And that's just you holding your power and speaking your truth. You know, now for me, me speaking my truth and really agreeing to things that I wholeheartedly agree is is my priority because I know that if I just agree to something that I don't, I will break it and I will hurt that person. And right. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to be like, this is what I'm comfortable with. I would love for you to be along the ride with me or the journey. And this is what I can give you right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's... Uh, and that feels so much better. It's so much so better. So much better. And what you have to be willing to do, I think if you're going to play this, this is like going into open relationship. This is like a high stakes game because you're laying all your emotions as all your, you're pushing all your emotional chips in on the table here. And this isn't your emotional chips just from this relationship. This is emotional chips from past relationships, from childhood, from all kinds of stuff. Anything that you haven't looked at, you're bringing it on the table and you're putting a magnifying glass on it. And I think with any of that, you have to be willing to you have to be willing to let go of the partnership if honoring your truth requires you to let go of your partnership you know what i mean like you have to hold your truth even in the face of potentially losing your partnership which is terrifying right like that is the thing that because otherwise it's it's going to unwind anyways right you know it's like you're going to lose it in a much more painful way if you don't honor your truth. Like mm-hmm. the only way is to like ultimately honor honor your truth and like really express and and hold true to what you're actually willing to do and what you're actually willing to bear and what you're actually willing to willing to do. And if both sides do that, it can be a compromise and it can be a mutual discussion, but you have to be willing to let a relationship go rather than compromise in a way that you'll be resentful for Mm -hmm. because that will ultimately just 
waste time and unwind unwind the relationship on a longer term anyways. right the resentment's gonna end the relationship anyway yeah so might as well speak your truth and get down to like really w- truly what you guys want and what feels good for you and what you can agree to and your partner can trust that that's the other thing and really that gives you the place to feel safe in the relationship because then you trust that your partner is actually telling you what they want mm-hmm. and um, not doing anything behind your back. You know, there. this is just, no, 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 this is what I'm agreeing to. And if you guys can agree to that together, then that actually does create freedom, even though it's scary because that's where the truth and the honesty comes in. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I hope you guys are enjoying the episode with Whitney so far. And I want to talk to you for a second about mushrooms. Now, if it was not for mushrooms, I wouldn't be who I am. And those mushrooms that I'm talking about that you're probably thinking are the right mushrooms that you're thinking about, the psychedelic variety of mushrooms. Mushrooms in and of themselves, if you watch the documentary like Fantastic Fungi, you'll realize that they are very symbiotic with all kinds of organisms, whether it's trees that the mycelial network actually helps the transfer of nutrients amongst the trees, or whether it's people, mushrooms can be incredibly helpful in a variety of different ways. And Four Sigmatic has developed all of the best non-psychedelic mushroom blends that are available. Now, Onnit uses these in some of our formulas as well, but Four Sigmatic focuses on this primarily. So they're mixing the best nutritional mushrooms in their coffee, whether that's lion's mane for cognitive performance, or whether that's chaga for immune performance, whether that's reishi for relaxation, and they're mixing them in delicious blends. I mean, the flavors are off the charts, the packaging is amazing, and the quality of mushrooms is as good as you can possibly get. And that's really, really important. So I encourage you guys to check it out. If you're not on the Four Sigmatic train, I believe that you absolutely should be. So go to foursigmatic.com. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com slash AMP, A-M-P, or enter the code AMP at checkout and you'll get 15% off and just try it out. I promise when you try it out, you'll be happy that you have it and you'll find yourself reaching for it when you want coffee, when you want cocoa, when you want chai, or when you just want the pure benefits of the mushrooms themselves. So go to foursigmatic.com slash AMP or put AMP at checkout and get yourself 15%. And thank you so much for supporting the podcast. So where do you see, you know, I'd, I'd also kind of looked at, um, you know, when I was analyzing this pattern, I kind of felt like the most people will try and and you can talk about this from experience you've had you know now well over 100 different clients that you work with but most people get into these waters and then scurry back out and retreat right that seems to be the experience that i that i encounter the most is that typically what you see to a certain extent yeah um i think it just changes from couple to couple depending on how much they really believe in and honor the fact that they want to be in this type of relationship i mean i always say first and foremost when it comes to this type of relationship the commitment is to yourself to look at all of your stuff that you haven't looked at like if you have that commitment to wanting to know who you are and what makes you tick and what you know traumas are there what you haven't looked at then you can really you can do this relationship but it does take the the determination and like perseverance because it does hurt but yeah no it it depends from couple to couple usually 
if they're brand new to this and they're trying it out, it's, um, you know, the first painful moment, the first, the first hurt. And then let's, that's when they're like, I'm scurry. out. Yeah, let's. Absolutely not. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. Scurry back to the safe grounds of either being single or being back in a monogamous relationship. Right. right. But once you open that door, it's mm. very hard to go back. Once you open that door to, oh, wait, we can have each other and love each other and have this honest communication and explore other relationships consensually, because a lot of people are exploring other relationships unconsensually, (laughs) you know. Um, And that means that you're just lying about it to your partner. You're lying about it. You're just doing it behind their back. The classic Classic, quote unquote cheat. Yeah, exactly. Um. And so it's hard to open that door and, and and go back. But you can, you know, you can go slowly and move slowly through this and and you go on your first date and then I I what I like to do is I work with couples even in between our calls together. So we have a call and let's say they have a date coming up tomorrow. And I'm like, okay, well, email me before. Let me know how you're doing. Email me directly after. Both of you guys let me know. If you need to hop on a call, I'll try to be as flexible as possible and hop on a call. Like, you know me, I'm on a call at 9 p.m. tonight, you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. and it's exactly this. It's a couple who are opening up their relationship and he went on a date recently and she's having a very hard time with it. And so I talked to her this morning and I'm talking to him tonight. And it's really like going through the process with them and helping them through the process of all of the emotions that arise. Because if you're able to talk to somebody through it, you get it. Mm-hmm. You start to understand like, oh, yeah, that that is right. I, I totally have this fear of abandonment because I'm afraid that he's just going to love her more. And I'm just thinking, I'm cherry picking about the other person and thinking that she's this, you know, supermodel who's, who's everything that he's ever wanted and much, much more and so much better than me. And so we start to deconstruct that. And I always take it back to them. I don't even take it necessarily to the relationship but take it back to you like where are these feelings and thoughts coming from yeah i hear you ask all the times even where you feel it in your body right like where where is this feeling originating from that is the biggest i think that's one of the biggest exercises that you can do in any sort of relationship and that's romantic personal friendship family anything if you're in like with your colleagues if you're in a challenging situation or emotionally heightened situation your body is first going to tell you where it's coming from and where that feeling is before it gets to your head. And so you're able to like tap into your body. Like, where is it in your throat? Are you not speaking it? Is it in your heart? Is it something with self love? Is it in your like gut, like your solar plexus? Does this not feel safe for some reason? Do you Mm -hmm. need to protect yourself? And where is that coming from? And get really curious about it in specific situations before it goes to your head, before your mind starts to create all of these stories and assumptions as to why this is true or what's really happening. It's like, no, 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 no. Hold on. Take a breath. Where is it in your physical body? And go there and get curious about that before we start proving your fears right. Yeah, because our ability to spin off a countless amount of stories is... Oh, we're master storytellers. Master storytellers. And any anything that this whole like don't ask, don't tell, or shield you from information thing, I think is really... Uh, is really a challenging way to go and that can be part of your agreement but for me I've found that you know because even engaged in I was in another relationship that started off really strong but you know she didn't want to hear about 
the other experiences that I was having at all. So I had to pretend like she knew that I was having them, but I had to pretend like I wasn't. And at the moment that I had to start pretending, I knew that her love for me was conditional upon me not sharing some truth. And at that point, I didn't feel any love anymore. All that love, it was like someone was lobbing love to me and it just, and like hit the dirt dirt before me. Yeah, it's based off of like a fake version of you. Like love me right. for half of who I am. Love me if I don't tell or you love the me truth. For, yeah. Love me for fitting into your version of who you actually who you want me to be, even though that's not who I am. Yeah. And I think that I think that, you know, the absence of that information, it was actually it was actually remarkable that she was able to compartmentalize and not just spin off into a million into a million ideas of like well, he's probably seeing a million people and every night that he's not talking right. to me, he's out there, you know, which isn't the case, but she was able to compartmentalize that, which is actually rare. But I, because I think for most of us in any absence of information, we'll fill in the blanks yeah. with the worst case scenario. And totally. I always say like the general rule is it's worse than you hope, but it's not as bad as you fear. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. you, it's always going to be worse. How was the date? Well, let me tell you how the date was. It's worse than you hoped but it wasn't as bad as you feared. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's generally like where it's going to fall. But in the absence of information, you don't know. Yeah, and free range. Free range. Your fear <laughs> is just going to take you by the horns. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So, all right, so I'm, I'm, imagining, I'm imagining the arc and I'm imagining the place that, that we're in now. And it feels like for the first time, a stable structure. And it's not that there's like things that don't come up, but we've reached a stable structure in which we actually trust each other's love. Yeah. And we've also reached a structure where there's pretty much universal openness as far as like all any kind of, I mean, we respect each other's privacy. We don't need to pry into each other's things, but there, I think that, I think the invitation would be that you could at any point open up any dialogue, any conversation, any feelings, anything that you're feeling, any reasons why, anything like that, like everything is on the table for communication. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, if it's not on the table for communication, you're just going to assume, you know, you're going to assume that thing that you're afraid of. Right. You know what I mean? So, so that's, I think, one tenet that that I've learned, like, if I was going to engage, or even as we are engaging in this thing that we're engaging now is like, radically open communication Mm -hmm. where nothing is off the table yeah i think that's one tenet and then again the other the uh, that other part it becomes comes right back to don miguel ruiz can you give your love generously beyond have the courage when you're afraid to give it and receive that love graciously with gratitude not look away from it you know not like shy away from it but like receive it graciously can you do those things, leave all things open for communication, give generously, receive with gratitude. And then it gets really simple, like all the great spiritual truths and like perhaps, 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 I don't know, you know, <laughs> but perhaps, perhaps, perhaps that is actually the ultimate fruition and roadmap to stabilize an open relationship mm-hmm. are those tenants. Yeah. But God damn, it's a hell of a tumultuous journey to get it's there. It's a journey. Yeah, it's absolutely a journey to get there. And that's just kind of a part of the process. But the cool thing is, is 
you know, us kind of going through that and getting to the understanding that, okay, that's like the foundation of it. And then being able to help others build and make the journey a little bit easier, (laughs) you know, like you don't have to go through all the fuck ups that we did. We did it for you. Okay, (laughs) We fucked it up in every way you could possibly fuck it up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and people will all, you know, they'll all project their stories as to why, you know, like why we're doing this or whatever. And they project all these different things. I think that's been something that people have even criticized or challenged us for is like, why are you guys sharing all this? Like, why are you doing it? And I guess I'll just pose that question to you. Like, why are you sharing all the details of all of the, you know, tumult and trials and lessons and learnings and failures and successes that, that we've had in our relationship? Because it's, it's serving people and it's making people happier. And that's what I'm here to do is to inspire and, and help people live happier, healthier lives and relationships. You know, I feel like if more people were open and vulnerable about their process in whatever area of life, regardless if that's relationship or work or family or personal matters, um, we would be a lot closer society and we'd be humankind would be a lot kinder and sweeter Mm. and understanding of each other. And so to me, yeah, people don't understand why I do a lot of the things and that's okay. I'm a person that challenges people and that's fine. I understand that about myself. Um, But I also inspire a lot of people. So for the people that don't understand or don't even want to understand or just want to say mean things because they don't understand it. And I get that. A lot of people say things about me or about us or our process because they just don't understand it. So they fill in the blanks with what makes sense in their head. And I get it. Like, that's your process. Um, But for every one person that I have like that, I have thousands of people who are so incredibly grateful for even the smallest post of vulnerability that I make. And so to me, it's like, without a doubt, I will never stop because I know that this is this is changing lives and it's giving people a place to feel, um, you know, together and that they have a community and that they're not alone in this because the truth of the matter is that they're not. And regardless of what you're going through in life, you're not alone. Yeah. There was a recent Playboy survey, I think that said that like one in 10 couples now in a certain age range or yeah, one in 10 couples or one in 10 people from 24 to 36, I believe it could be saying that wrong, but around that are already in an open relationship. This conversation is becoming so much bigger, like so much bigger. And, um, it's, it's cool to watch and witness because people are starting to realize that they can build their own relationship. And that's the thing is like, I support monogamy. I'll say it here again. I support monogamy because the truth of the matter is I really do. And will I be monogamous at some point in my life? Yeah, I'm sure I will be monogamous again at some point in my life. Um, But that's because I'm going to choose monogamy. And we come into this world and I don't believe people choose monogamy. I feel like it's the default that here's your relationship. Now figure it out, even though it doesn't work for a lot of people. And now we're getting to a place where people can choose monogamy or they can choose poly, they can choose open or they can choose to be single or they can choose whatever the fuck they want. And that is so awesome. And that goes across the board. Here's my rant. (laughs) That goes across the board with even like women not wanting to have children. You get to choose that for yourself and it doesn't matter if people don't understand that. If that is what's best for you in your life, you go for it. Or you get to choose to be married or not married. Like 
this is your life and that's so exciting and we're so different that if we could just choose what we truly want, people and our world would be happier mm. and healthier. It's, Preach, sister. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pro-choice. <laughs> in, all, in all matters. Yeah. And I think we've seen that with like people opening up about bisexuality and people opening up about whatever their sexual proclivities are in general, but there's still actually even more taboo because there's less people who are jumping to the defense. Like it's really hard to be like rampantly homophobic on social media now because people will be like, yo, you can't fucking say that. You're you're fucking ridiculous. Right. You know what I mean? But like with they're open still like out there though. with oh yeah, there are. Unfortunately. Unfortunately there still are. But, you know, people still have kind of free reign to call people all kinds of derogatory things for being in an open relationship because there hasn't been that kind of understanding. Like, no, like, respect their choice. Like, if someone chooses to be bisexual, cool, respect that choice. If they choose to be gay, respect that choice. If they are inherently one way or inherently inherently having been born this way or born identified as a different sex or race or whatever, whatever the thing is, well, I guess... There's obviously some debate about that, but whatever the choice, if it's a choice, like respect the choice, you know what I mean? Like respect, respect that choice. And I think this, we're now entering an era where people are actually starting to come to the defense of respecting the choice of relationship type. Yeah. And here's the other thing for people who are, you know, spewing, don't understand other people's choices, dude, you're making a choice to not understand their choice. Like, (laughs) Why are we why are we having this debate? You know what I mean? It's like we are all choosing things in our life. And if you don't like something about someone else, you're choosing that and like get curious as to why. Like I am not here hating on your relationship or hating on what you do. Let's just really start to understand and get curious about why we're getting upset about things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, you know, the reason why I feel compelled to share is also, there's a certain element of alchemy to the sharing. It's very similar to what you're saying, but if I'm going through something hard and I learn a lesson from that hard thing that I went through and I can share that, then that hard thing has value beyond just my own personal growth and value. It has value to other people. And while it might cause some hate to come you know, splashing my way, like ultimately that will help people. And whether that's opening up about my depression or my challenges with sleep or the, diff- the difficulties I've had in open relationship or all of, with jealousy, with validation, with all of these things, you find, you know, like that classic saying, you know, Tatua Masi, like, I am that too. Like so many people will say like, oh man, I've felt that same thing that you felt. And that gives them like a moment where they can go, oh, okay, it's okay. Yeah. You know, I'm not alone. And I think we're going to see... You know, so so many more people open up more about their relationship choices, um, and that's exciting because I think people should. Why not? You know, like let we should live in a world. I was talking about this the other day, I guess, on a podcast. Was that you know we're giving people a safe place to feel like they can express things that they've never talked about to anyone else, other than you or I or you know some other people. Um, and it's kind of sad to me that they have to have a safe place to talk about that. It's It, it yeah. hurts because we have to create these safe places for people to live how they truly want to live. 
Yeah, I think it's an it's an interesting it's an interesting thing because even the word safe place has become charged and overused, and yeah. and all of these things can be overextended, right? True, like, true, yeah. like it's fine to like understand that people may be choosing things for the wrong reason and kindly have an opinion or kindly reflect, like, oh, well, why are you choosing that? Are you choosing that because some victimhood of being in that state actually gives you some kind of freedom from responsibility or some kind of moral superiority or like are you choosing this for the right reason but if you're really choosing it because it's what you want and like what like your heart is called to like who is anybody to say that that person shouldn't be choosing that you know like fine to be like you'd find to ask the question like hey why are you choosing this you know like, i don't think either either one of us have ever had that question like hey have you ever you know really wondered why you chose the open relationship path. And, and, yeah, a thousand fucking times over. I yeah. always ask myself that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> but no, but I understand what you're saying. But yeah, I mean, it, it really it's is. A, it's a valid question, It's right? a to- total valid question. And I actually enjoy engaging in those conversations. I would much rather someone be like, hey, tell me, like, why? Yeah, why? I don't think I could ever do it, but I would love to know yeah, why. And like, and cool, no hey, worries. Let's just sit down over a glass of wine and chat about it. Yeah, or instead of being like, hey, yeah, you fucking cuck, blah, blah, blah. I wouldn't, you know, blah, you disrespect and blah, 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 throwing all these things out. Be hey, like, guys, which, by the way, cuck is one of the top um, fantasies. So just saying all y'all out there. <laughs> Reflecting that on other people. But instead of just casting these judgments, like if you phrase it as a question... That's a fair question. Totally. It's fair a fair question, question. to ask. Like, oh, are you doing this because you're actually turned on by other people doing it? And like, that's a fair question. And I think most people will be responsive to that question if you want to ask a question. But when you're like just making your decision and your proclamation and your judgment and then casting that. like right, You're doing this because of X, Y, and Z. Like you're they doing know, this like because they know. of. Yeah, yeah. You're doing this. And uh, yeah. And one of the things that I get a lot is. Uh, Open relationships do not work. Okay. Um, so you, you, you've done it, I assume, right? It, uh, or no. <laughs> no, you haven't. Oh, okay. So have you ever broken up in a monogamous relationship? So does that mean monogamy doesn't work either? Like, I think monogamy does work sometimes. I think open does work sometimes. I think everything can fucking work, you know? Yeah. It's just like everyone wants to put their own spin on what it means for them on and that, other people and that typically is just coming from their own fear no, totally of fear is. of looking at at what that thing you know what that thing might bring up in them so it's actually a reflection you know they're intending to actually cast judgment on you but really they're just opening exposing their own judgment that they have within themselves so and that's what i do now on social and i think this is what a lot of people can start doing honestly is if this feels in alignment with you is if people are saying or casting judgment on you on, on social media, um, I'll ask them a question. Why does that trigger you so much? Why do you, you know, get curious for them even it's like, Hmm, interesting that you would say that about me, but why? And then it causes them to like, Oh, maybe I do kind of need to think about why that is. And so you enter into a dialogue that isn't, you know, accusatory and you're not being defensive or I'm not being defensive. It's just like, huh, let me understand a little bit more about you. Let me understand a little bit more about that. And then you get to a place of understanding. And most of the time, usually for me, people get curious and they ask themselves that. And then I either get a DM 
from that person or I get a message on the feed being like, oh, you know, actually this is what I was meaning by it. And now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Now we don't totally get in full agreement probably and sometimes we do. But it is interesting to really just open up that dialogue without being accusatory to people. And I think that applies not just to relationship, that applies universally. Again, you said something really interesting and cool. You said putting the kindness back in humankind, mm-hmm. right? And like this this idea that whether it's political, you know, political is something where people get really like heated about these things and they don't even look at the other person's perspective and like understand like where they're coming from and like what their intentions are. And they'll end up, you'll end up finding so much more common ground if you just ask questions rather than putting labels and putting easy like judgments and like the dark side of tribalism. Like this is my camp. My camp is Democrat. Your camp is Republican. My camp is CNN. Your camp is Fox News. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But be like, okay, like what, what's going on here? Like where's the fear coming from? What are you worried about? Because we probably all care about the same things. You know, care about living a happy life, being safe. You know, like there's common ground there in all of these different things. But instead of looking for the common ground, we look to like cast each other aside and like create even more chasm. Yeah, and I think it's also, it's okay for everyone to live differently. You know, it's totally cool for everyone to live differently, have different beliefs, you know, choose different things for themselves. It's just getting to a place of being okay with other people living differently. Like that whole Ellen DeGeneres thing when she was at a game with George Bush, mm. um, people freaked out because she was hanging out with George Bush. And she's and she's saying like, just because we don't see eye to eye all the time and we may have different beliefs doesn't mean that we can't hang out and actually enjoy each other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But people lost their shit over that. <laughs> right. Because the mere the mere fact that they were next to each other and joking and enjoying watching a I think it was a football game or maybe it was a yeah, baseball like game or whatever the fuck it was was like oh, you're endorsing all of everything that George Bush has ever done and this is a tacit endorsement about all of his po-. like no he's a person we are very different individuals but we have a good time together yeah that's okay great that's okay I love that and I think there's a and I think actually it's it's Jordan Peterson that talks about this as well like there's certain types of and characteristics of people that are when working together actually make the most productive society you know Mm -hmm. like conservatism which is usually signified by very like orderly very rule bound very like very kind of meticulous understanding of a certain you know systems and policies that's good and then the very liberal minded let's let's think outside the box let's get creative let's try and solve problems from other different areas like both of those need to come together. They certainly need to come together in any company. I was just thinking that in business, you want that. Of course. You want the creative and you want the conservative who, you know, you want the rules and the, the we're going to get this done and we're, we're going to do it this way. And you're going to have somebody who's going to be the creative mind behind everything. And it's just like taking these superpowers from each person because they're unique in their own way and putting it into one kind of like boiling pot. Boom. Mm-hmm. And you get exactly what you want. Yeah, collectively it all works. Like that old French, famous French saying, "Viva la différence!" Right? Like celebrate the differences. Let's not try to. Where are you getting these sayings? I've never Viva heard you la say. Différence. You've never heard you say any of these things. Viva one. la différence! <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, celebrate the difference, or long live the difference. The differences, long live okay. like the variety. Right? It's just like it's just a celebration of the differences between men and women, conservatives and and 
Republicans, like the idea that all should be the same is like, how fucking boring. What do you want to do that with all animal life? Like all animals should be the same animal. No, that would suck. Unless they're lobby. <laughs> all lobies. <laughs> all lobies. But everywhere. even then that would suck because there wouldn't be any contrast no, between lobies and non lobies. It would also be chaos. <laughs> nobody wants Lobie's our dog by the way um but yeah I mean I think that's the that's the bridge that's the bridge that people need to make in order to stop bickering about these ultimately inconsequential things and like working together finding the common ground and and it applies you know not just to relationship like I said but just universally I was actually this brings up another point I was you know in a coaching call recently and talking about you know everyone goes on their journey at different speeds and different you know, paces. And a lot of the times our partners can point at us or we point at them saying, you need to do this faster. You need to understand this better. You need to, you know, get through this faster or whatever. But it's like every person is at a different point in their journey and that's okay. And they may not be going as fast as you and they may not be doing exactly what you're doing, but they're on their own journey. They're on their own journey to learn. And that's, that's okay. That is okay. And maybe that works for you guys. Great. And maybe it doesn't work out for you guys. Great. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and again, it comes back to those classic, some of the classic traditional understandings about any relationship. And that's friendships, that's, that's romantic relationships, that's business partnerships and everything. It's just communication. Just like uncharged communication. Let's, let's get curious. Let's listen. Let's ask questions. Let's not make assumptions. Let's not build stories. Let's not act out of fear. Let's just be curious, ask questions, and communicate as honestly as possible. Mm-hmm. And we know that that's not easy. Trust us. We have failed no, at it no multiple doubt. times no where doubt. we've had to you know, take breaks and come back. And that's the other thing. I don't know if I've actually talked about this, but I think one of the things that if you are in a con- conflicted conversation and it's very challenging to get anywhere, like take some time take at least 30 minutes intentional time you take 30 minutes you stop what you're doing you stop the conversation you go into separate rooms or take your own time someone needs to go for a walk go for a walk think about you know what you truly want you need to write you need to dance you need to do whatever it is to take that intentional time in order to come back into that conversation as you know clear and relaxed and not as charged as you were before and then restart the conversation that can be so beneficial when you're working through a lot of emotional stuff because otherwise you kind of get stuck in this cycle and you're just spewing, you know, stories and hate and pointing fingers and that's not getting you anywhere. You can get stuck in these loops where you just spin, 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 and it gets tighter and tighter and tighter until it's just a single column of rage. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like, you know, but it started off just a little, just like a bird, just like a little, and then your stories come and then the stories reinforce the emotions and the emotions reinforce the stories and the stories reinforce the emotions and all of a sudden stories and emotions are one and you're just fucking like Cyclops from X-Men just beaming out of your eyes, just pure destruction in a red beam of destructive light that's right (laughs) you know and that's you know that's obviously not the way you want to go you want to find that be curious go into the witness mode and then go work through that and find productive ways to work through those emotions Mm -hmm. what do you think for you are the most productive ways for you to work through the difficult emotions Writing is really good for me of just getting anything out of my head like because I can get stuck in the loops 
in my own head and creating the stories. And so if I just write them out and become the witness and like, then it's like, Ooh, all of this is out on paper now. And I feel so much better about that. Um, also just, I like to go outside and walk. Mm -hmm. Like I love a good walk around the lake or just walk anywhere. I just really enjoy that. So I think those are probably my, my top two. What do you, what do you do? Um, so for you, one of the, one of the things that you're learning to get, you know, to overcome and get better at is when there's something bothering you, but you don't really see it. You don't, cause you're not really looking at it. And maybe it's a pattern of distraction or maybe it's just a pattern of not really looking at it. Like how do, how do people deal with something that they don't really know is there? Like what are, what are some of the techniques that you've learned through this process of being like, huh, I didn't really realize this because obviously for your 30th birthday, you didn't realize that you thought my love was debatable. Like that wasn't in the front of your mind, but that was somewhere deep in like the back, the back corners of your mind. Yeah. And then it came out. So what are some techniques for people to use, you know, from your own experience or from your coaching or whatever that. Psychedelics. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's, that's obviously a tool that both of us have used a lot, right? Because it's hard to hide from the truth when you're, when you're using psychedelic medicine. Now, yeah, for sure. There is no hiding. Are you kidding me? It's like, <laughs> oh, you want to hide? Yeah, I'm going to corner you with this fear and you're going <laughs> to look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, I mean, you can do so much outside of external substances. Like psychedelics is obviously one way that you can, you know, navigate and go to the darkest corners of your mind and heart and everything like that. But um, outside of that, I think it's a process. Like, I don't know if there's one thing that you can, that I can say, go do this and it's going to help illuminate what you haven't been looking at other than probably psychedelics. If Mm. you're called to it, you know, like you have to be called to it specifically for yourself, not because I said it, not because you said it and not because your partner said it either. That's the other thing, right? Like that comes to, um, if your partner is doing psychedelics and you're not called to do psychedelics, don't feel like you have to do it, but get curious. Like, see if it's something that you may be interested in doing. Find out maybe why you don't want to do it. And if you still don't feel okay with doing it, then don't do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And that's it. And if you are in a situation where you are pro-psychedelics and they've been a tool for you and your partner is not, which is something that I think both of us have encountered with a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. I was actually talking on a call with uh, the Fit for Service group today and, and uh, one of the members mentioned that. And it reminded me of a quote that I got from Aaron's book, which is an old, old quote that I think Dr. Dan said as well. But it's a quote from St. Thomas and he says, preach the gospel always and when necessary, use words. Yeah. Right. So like, so instead of saying like, Hey, you got to really, you got to do mushrooms with me. You got to like smoke this DMT. You got to go do ayahuasca with me. Like, like using all these words to do it. You can just do it and then Mm -hmm. show up more open hearted, more full of love, more in a, a deeper understanding of yourself and your partner. And then, then feel them like soften and be like, wow, you're really loving right now. Right. Like, that's really cool. That's really kind of rad. Yeah, totally. I love that. Um, and I also think, you know, if you are in that place to where your partner isn't really interested in doing that, be, right? Be the loving, the 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 gospel instead of using your words. Um, and also you can encourage them to try other routes to access that knowledge, you know, and that's meditation or maybe that's yoga or maybe that's breath work or maybe that's static dance. Like there's so many ways that you can access similar 
states and get a similar understanding without an external substance. So that can be something that can kind of bridge the gap a little bit. Yeah, totally. Someone who's against psychedelics is hard to be against air. You know, yeah. like if you're going to do breath work and probably, right. and we both know how powerful like doing guided, you know, breath work practices can be and also ecstatic dance practices. I mean, that's probably my best tool that I use mm-hmm. is like, all right, I'm going to put on an ecstatic dance and I'm going to like feel through these emotions. I remember, and, and that can go in a million different ways. I remember there's sometimes when I was at the most broken parts of my own psyche and my own heart where I just didn't feel like I even had the strength to, to even stand up. If I would put on that dance, I remember there was one dance I did and I did it in the meditation room. And all I could do was just knee, take a knee and weep. That was it. That was like the extent of my ecstatic dance was just take a knee and cry. And then eventually, like I was able to move a little bit and kind of shake it out. But and that's okay. Like, don't put any expectation on being this wild flailing, you know, kind of whirling dervish. There's no right way to do it. But if that's the thing that can get you into some of these emotions and, and go through them and then try to bless the state you're in. That's something that Ted's always talked about. Like instead of judging the state you're in, like, okay, I'm feeling jealous. I'm feeling small, feeling so small. I could fit in a shoe, <laughs> you know, like, uh, like that's what we used to say all the time. That's how I would feel all the time. I feel so small. I could fit in a little baby shoe. Yeah. And so you, you feel that. And then if we would put on a dance, then maybe you would start off feeling in a shoe and it would be small movements and small things. And then eventually you break out and you start to find your size again a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, that's a, that's a big tool. And then of course, community. Community. Yeah, man. I, yeah, absolutely find, you know, a community and that's, that's hard though when it does come to open relationships in particular, people who are even wanting to explore bisexuality or wanting to explore these, you know, other areas of life that they don't have a community to where they can talk to people about. And I get that a lot of people just really wanting to feel supported and not judged for their life choices, you know, kind of what we've been talking about. Um, and there are, there are communities when I mean, there's plenty of online communities, you know, I I'm throwing a retreat in May an all women's retreat in May with Caitlin Howe, um, which is, you know, about bringing that community of women together. Um, And the more that you are, I feel, the more that you are open to meeting other people, open to expressing who you are vulnerably, it helps create community because that is what creates connection inherently. That is is the secret to intimacy is vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Like I don't think there's ever been an unproductive conversation that started with, I feel... I feel really sad or I feel really mad or I feel really hurt, right? Like that is always the entree to a productive conversation contrasted with the entree to a very unproductive conversation, which is you did this and you blah, blah, blah. It's like if you're pointing your finger outward, your communication is probably going to suck. If you're pointing your finger inward back to the truth of what you feel, because it's true. If you feel that way, you feel that way right now. It doesn't mean you're always going to feel that way. But like hold back from the stories about why you feel that way, which is then pointing the finger at somebody else, but just express what you feel and let your partner know what you feel. Then at that point, 
you know, it's going to be really productive, but it's, it's challenging to do. But if you can do that, you'll make it through a really productive conversation and that you'll feel more whole at the end of doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And same goes even outside of your partnership, like with friendships, with community, with the whole thing It's just like being vulnerable and opening up is a powerful, very, very powerful connector. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I think, you know, a, a question that we'd probably get is like, all right, what's the future for us? You know, what's the future for us? How would you answer that question? Um, we're going to be in each other's lives forever and we're going to love each other the best we can. Simple, huh? It's simple. I mean, that is, that's it. I don't no. know what the relationship container looks like. I don't know if we'll be intimate forever. I don't know if we won't be. I don't know. I don't have the answers, right? We don't really know. None of us know. We act like we pretend to know the future and we try to figure out all these ways yeah, we to make, know the we future. We make proclamations. Till death do us part. Right. Or not for most people. But whatever, we'll proclaim this thing. Mm -hmm. But it's actually a truer place to be in, to be in like, I don't know, right now. This right now, this right now, this feels amazing. And I'm so grateful that we're able to sit in the place that we are in. And we had to go through a lot of challenge to get there. But it's so nice to be able to live in love in the way that we are. And I feel comfortable within that because I really know that we are going to love each other forever. And that in includes if we decide to be monogamous with other people. Yep. We're still going to love each other. We're still going to be in each other's lives. And that's what we really crave is we crave stable ground. Mm -hmm. And love is the only thing that's really stable when it's real. Real love is stable. You know, love holds no record of wrong. It's our egos that do. But if we actually access the love part of us, then that is stable. And so it's how much closer can we get to love? You know, how much? And, and then if we, the closer we get, the more stable we're going to be. Yeah. And the more that anything else can shift... And it's all okay. And then all so much of that fear starts to diminish. It's so it's it's so freeing. So freeing. It's so freeing. And when you go through the breakup or the transition, you don't think that this is possible, but it really is. And speaking of that, <laughs> yeah, that's that's yeah, I definitely want to mention that because that's something that a lot of people don't really know how to navigate, especially in this kind of new paradigm. You know, like how do you how do you go through a conscious breakup? Mm. Well, you got some answers. I well, do. At least some pointers. I have some pointers, at least, from what we learned and through you know other people who are very close to me going through you know transition and breakups is is I've compiled all of the things that I learned and things that I did right and wrong. Similar with open relationships, right? We talk about what we did right and what we did wrong and how we learned. And that's what I did with the breakup because I know breakups can be so hard and they suck. Like nobody wants to be like, no one's like, yeah, fuck yeah. Woo, I get to break up with somebody or I get to hurt them. You know, it's like, yeah. no, you don't want that. Um, so yeah, I put together this whole breakup doc <laughs> to kind of help people get through the process and with exercises throughout there with personal stories um throughout the doc and i just hope it it's it gets people to a place where they understand that they can break up in a conscious way and they can break up in an amicable way and they can still love each other um so yeah i i 
it helped me a lot. Mm. And I just hope it can help other people along the way too. Yep. And they go to your website to get that? Yeah. You can go to my website to get that, which is witinlove.com. And that's N-L-O-V-E. Yes. Dot com. Yeah, I was I was really moved and, and kind of blown away when I got a chance to read that doc that you put together. I thought you did a, a really great job and it's an important important subject. So Yeah, I it just kind of like out. came out of me. Yeah. You know? And I I was just like, what are what are the top things? And I've honestly always felt this way. I felt like you can go online and you can look up um how to create the fr- best first date or how to <laughs> fucking break into someone's phone so you can see their Instagram (laughs) messages or you know how to bring back passion into a relationship but really when it comes to transitioning or breaking up there's really not that much out there um and so I was just like you know what I've always felt this I've always felt like there needed to be something in the breakup space to help people with heartbreak and learning from that and realizing that this could be so beneficial for their lives and yes I know it's terrifying I get it I've been through it multiple times and all of us have been through it multiple times. Um, but it doesn't have to be as hard as you think. And it could end up beautiful. And that's, and it could a, and that's end an up example that, that hopefully people get from this conversation and, uh, and in this update that we've kind of given people into our relationship. Um, and, and speaking of that, I'm also going to be releasing a kind of a compendium of poetry and thoughts and writings and things that I've experienced through the relationship that might be helpful for people as well. So anybody interested in that, it's got a bunch of poetry in there that I wrote and a lot of the things that I wrote in Patagonia when I was kind of breaking my fever, my ego <laughs> fever and like and breaking that out there in the in the wild unknown of South America. But um but yeah, I'll have that available for people as well at uh, AubreyMarcus.com, of course. And and just please reach out. And, you know, like I encourage everybody listening, you know, I'm going to be talking about relationship probably a lot less in the next period. I'm focused on my next book, which is about mindset and about the the growth of awareness and uh, and consciousness and how to synergize the ego with your consciousness and to not make the ego the enemy but actually make the ego an ally in the process of waking up and that's going to be the the focus of everything and and i think it goes naturally with uh, the bulk of the lessons that i was learning were through that relationship and and i'm sure there'll still be more and i'll of course share what comes up but i'm focused you're on- sure there's, there's going to be more lessons always it doesn't stop it just gets deeper like don howard says let's go yeah let's go but um but yeah so i'll put that out and that'll be one of the you know you won't be hearing about that as much from me but i really encourage people to check out your podcast true sex and wild love with wednesday martin fucking amazing podcast every episode i've listened to is blown my mind you have a great like synergy with Wednesday who comes from like the research perspective you come from the personal perspective different generational gaps and proclivities and all that so if you're into this more talk about relationships check that out and if you really need help or guidance like you're you're the you're the huckleberry like, like go <laughs> I'm to, your huckleberry, go, I'm your huckleberry. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah no. reach on um, out yeah, reach out. Um, you can go to my website or Instagram, wit in love, in L-O-V-E. And I try to answer all DMs and anything like that. So if you just reach out to me on Instagram or go to my website, witinlove.com. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my email is whitneyinlove at gmail, which you can email me too on there as well. Um, and I try to just support as much as I possibly can. Yeah, no doubt. Well, 
we love you guys and i hope you appreciate us letting you into our lives and in all in all the ways that we have and uh i love you wit and i'll and i'll always love you i love you Ab, and i'll always love you you're stuck with me <laughs> <laughs> yay goodbye everybody much love Thanks for tuning in to this very personal podcast with myself and Whitney. Hopefully you guys got some value and some benefit out of our triumphs and out of our struggles. Definitely check out Whitney's podcast, True Sex and Wild Love. I'm actually going to be a guest host on one of the episodes as well. And it's really just an incredible podcast. It's always ranking in the top 100 podcasts. And it's really just incredible what they're able to provide in reframing sexuality. Also, please check out Whitney's website, Wit nlove.com and she has actually a great breakup pdf for anybody who's interested in like the steps about how to consciously break up so for sure check that out as well and just thank you guys so much you know i love being able to bring you in on my own personal journeys and hopefully you all enjoy it as much as i enjoy sharing it so love you guys and i'll see you next week